0: Welcome to Cottonmouth Manchester, a podcast, as you should know, brought to you by CityCo, the city centre management company for Manchester and Salford. I'm Vaughan Allen from CityCo, and today I'm back with Jonathan Schofield, our first returning guest, historian and editor of Manchester Confidential. This time, not to talk history, but the present. Well, I suppose history will come into it as well, actually, won't it? Context. Uh, context, yes. Jonathan recently wrote an article on Manchester Confidential, Mancon, as we all call it, about how Manchester fails its tourists. And I wanted to get him on to talk through the points he raised and to play a little devil's advocate. One of the reasons it struck a chord was that so much of what he talked about in the article is in areas that Citico is or has worked on. So let's start with the thesis and then we'll move obviously to yeah, antithesis yeah, yeah. and synthesis yeah, 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 yeah. and, you know, reach a pleasant yeah, yeah, yeah. agreement. Um, So Manchester's a massively successful tourist city. Over the last five years, it's it's grown and grown and grown, out of all proportion with its neighbours. But you think it could do more. So so take us through your thinking.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. The point of the article was we have reached a sort of macro level of success now. So we've got enough museums, enough art galleries, argument... uh, You could argue we could do with another sort of Bellevue almost, another theme park... A, a general a Zeus, safari park yeah well something like that something that's a bit more popular culture rather than we do tend to have quite a lot of things which have been a popular culture, art galleries a, museums a gallery
0: devoted to popular culture now where yeah, does that idea yeah. come up
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a gallery, maybe, maybe a ride that isn't a small Ferris wheel near 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 some heritage locations. But the, the the thesis was what we need to do now is look at that real real attention to detail because we still have these issues, and it's a big issue, certainly on a Sunday morning, certainly in certain weekend mornings, certainly in certain tea times on the weekend where we we aren't still as tidy and neat and pristine and well managed as lots of other of our tourist city rivals, now I'm not saying directly Leeds or Liverpool or Birmingham, I'm talking more the European standard, Northern, Europe, Northern European standard, and we are Northern European, despite Brexit or whatever, we still are in Europe, um, Copenhagen, Stockholm, Aarhus even, um, where could I go, Gothenburg, Berli- uh, Bergen in Norway, where true... True, they are massively wealthier societies in terms of individuals because they're very tiny countries compared to Britain, 63 million. What well, Sweden's the closest with 9 million, but we do need to just iron that out a little bit. And I came up with two ideas. If you think about it, there's one that is a direct council thing, and maybe and they have changed, and it is better. But there is still needs that little bit of wayfinding. How do we get around the city? That little thing about making sure Parsonage Gardens is always beautiful, just next to us here, rather than it's just beautiful every now and then when it's looked after. And then the other one, which I think is the biggest one, is personal responsibility, and this needs to be forced home. Now I don't actually know the legals on this, so maybe one you can help me. Ah, is there a is it an insurance problem? Why don't all the little companies and cafes and bars and shops, clean out the back of the uh, out of their premises and scrub the floor in front of them. Why don't they? I mean, I think that is the step we need to take, personal responsibility. Uh, so there's personal responsibility, I guess, individuals, and the corporate responsibility
0: for companies to, to pick it up as well. Yeah, but
1: individuals, you've you got to be careful with individuals, because I, I love it when people say, well, people shouldn't throw a litter in the first place. No, of course they shouldn't. Uh, but that's where it dies, that argument. just dies then, because they do... Uh,
0: yeah, but I, I think it becomes a, a vicious circle or a virtuous circle going in the other direction because um, you know that, uh, I mean, the broken windows theory in New York was mm. been disproved in an awful lot of ways, but actually that combination of litter on the floor, somebody dropping a bit of litter on the floor leads to other people dropping litter on the floor, which leads to graffiti, which leads to whatever, and, and other crime as well. You know, it all makes sense and... For all the academics have disproved it on numerous occasions, it feels to most of us who live in urban environments that actually that makes an awful lot of sense if things are being kept clean. That you know, um,
1: I think. Well, well, it- well, just to interrupt there, I mean, I always said this. I've always said this, and I, and, it, and I think the attitude has changed generally. But about ten years ago or something, when we did a lot with Castlefield and. I th- Think of the time there was some book promotion where they made these very complex flower arrangements of bookworms and everything like this, and they put them in Castlefield, and people said, oh, they'd be vandalised in two minutes. Well, they weren't, because they looked beautiful. So if you make the place look beautiful, then people will tend to respect yeah. it as such. And there's always the wonderful example of Audsall Hall, yeah, yeah, which, yeah. of course,
0: is in the middle of one of the most deprived um, estate, estates in the country, and is so looked after because the people in that estate it is their pride and joy as well and 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 i think Solford council has done an astonishing job and, and people who run old have done an astonishing job with with developing those mm. community links um i mean i think going back to it i think you're right that we we went through a situation particularly around cleanliness about three four years ago after the first wave of cuts and i think most people at manchester council will agree uh where things started to get not very good at all in in this in the city um and there's been a lot of the work over over the last two years not least through outsourcing through Biffa to try and improve mm. that some of that comes down to bureaucratic things as much as anything else. Um, yeah. You know, actually targets that were set to say that bin shall be cleaned at 9 o'clock in the morning and 5 o'clock in the evening, whether that bin was empty or full, as opposed to saying that bin should always be empty. And so there's some really basic stuff which people, I Flexibility, think, just don't... It? Like, Flexibility. It, yeah, it is. And I think, I think that's, that's worked through a lot over the last couple of years, and particularly we've noticed bin collection... Uh, things like street washing have improved substantially over the last uh, and, over the last and, and year, and particularly.
1: respect, you, you know, after a major event in the city centre, now that is cleaned quickly. Yeah, which and, it didn't used to be. And
0: whether it's a uh, a, a positive event or a negative event, mm. I mean, when when you uh, looking back to um, one of the f- few great things to come out of the riots. Um, the speed with which uh, the streets were cleaned up after the riot was was utterly astonishing. Yeah. But you but you do look after all the parades, Manchester Day Parade or whatever, mm. and you're almost to a New York level of you see the street cleaners actually following up the parade Im- immediately, um, which is which is very useful. Um, I think it will be interesting to see. But
1: do you think do you think there's still a, a, a consciousness of it's not just down Deansgate, it's not just down Market Street, it's also Back Piccadilly. It's also the little alleyway just here between Dean's Gate, between Blackfriars, not between Blackfriars, between Parsonage and Deansgate. I mean, that's a shock! It's shock that's a hellhole. It's a hellhole it's outside your office it stinks of it, it stinks it's of somebody st- urinating. very all the time. unpleasant. Yeah, it does. Um,
0: I think I think it's very very clear that um, while rotors have, in, have uh, improved and cleanliness has has improved substantially over the last year, eighteen months. Um, what that has had the knock-on effect of is there's been a real concentration on Market Street and the big streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that does, I mean, we did, it's not so bad now, but we did get to a situation where you could walk up Market Street and you could almost see where the rotors stopped and the rotors changed. And there were, there were you know, as you as you went into Spring yep. Gardens or into Fountain Street or whatever, there was just a line of fag mm. ends there. That's yeah. now, that's changed and, and got well, subs- and somewhat better, which which mm. I think is interesting. There are real issues around who owns bits of, different bits of land. So the only bits that you're gonna get um, biffer on behalf of the council cleaning are gonna be bits that are owned by highways. When you get to some of those back alleyways, they're under combined ownership, a little bit for highways, a little bit for a neighboring business, a little bit, and actually so what, what then comes out is, who, who takes yeah, responsibility yeah, exactly. for that is is there a big issue. And then one of the things we've worked on is, and and you'll, you'll be aware, I mean, one of the things we've worked on over the last four, six months is trying to do more of the clean-up days on exactly the, the level that you're talking about. So we did one on uh, back Piccadilly, we've done one on Piccadilly Gardens, we're going to do one on Parker Street. We're going to do um, in, in terms of actually talking to companies about well, use those CSR days, as I always say, not to um, weed forests in Rochdale, but actually to go outside your own office and do something that is helpful to the city centre. Though Rochdale is a lovely place in their forest, yeah, yeah, should, yeah, I yeah,
1: no, was born there, and it's fantastic. But but you're right, it's. From my point of view, it's where are the tourists. The tourists are with me in the city centre, mostly free, oh, maybe at the keys or other places. Now, this shouldn't be to the exclusion of the, all those other places, but where the concentration of tourism is should be where the fo- focus should be. And still around the northern quarter. Now, I think this is historical, you know, how you had different cleaning... Because back in the day, the central business district was one thing that was really ancoats up there anyway, so who cares? Uh, and it was deemed not really a city centre that's a modern city centre, which is all about leisure, retail, playing out. And that's still, I still feel there's something in certain council heads that still is looking at it that way. Because maybe they don't use the city centre.
0: I think there's there's some of that definitely. I think one of the things that we still have is possibly um quite old views of how the city is used. Mm. Um and actually you or I who spend most of our time on feet mm. on foot, yeah, yeah. walking around the city centre, going, Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? Um the reality is for a lot of uh people who are working in council offices, actually they're in the town hall from 9 to 5.30 and actually so getting that information flow is a really interesting one it's 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 something that we work we work very directly with Biffer, we work very di- directly with a lot of other people to actually get information flow out as quickly yeah. as possible without trying to over, overwhelm people
1: um, I mean do you think we have enough street cleaners I don't want to just it's not. It's, it's more than street cleaning anyway about tourism but uh, you know down those back alleys near the Holy Name not Holy Name St Mary's the Hidden Gem and uh, John Dalton Passage and sh- never, that never Never
0: seems clean. I think. I think we. I mean, we were having a conversation this morning around uh, Police Street and around uh, mm. the alleyway at the back of, yeah. uh, back of Hancock's and yeah, so on, yeah. which after a weekend particularly suffers. I think the reality is in the in the current financial situation, you are never going to have enough. So Hence your, your original point of how do you get mm. businesses together? So when we looked at the cleanups days, the issue is when you first start with those clean up days, it takes a huge amount of resource just to get mm. people together to work. Where that took, you know, whatever, how many weeks of, of work it was to bring us, a number of businesses together, City Council, BIFA, GMP, um, working hand-in-hand on all of those issues, particularly around back, Piccadilly was the first one. So, yes, you're doing deep cleans. Yes, you're taking, you know, stickers off lampposts. Yes, you're doing mm. graffiti. Um, you're bringing in the specialist equipment to do all that. Yes, you're, you've got the rough sleepers teams who are engaging with the rough sleepers a lot of this is actually about making the connections between all of these different issues you know uh, King Street Police Street that area we've, we've done a lot with the uh, businesses down there around commercial waste particularly um, and a lot of the driver over the last year 18 months is really an understanding that if you are leaving out cardboard cardboard is used understandably by rough sleepers mm. to turn into beds which means you're then attracting rough sleepers and in King Street because so many of the doorways are recessed they're almost exactly, perfect yeah, for people yeah.
1: to set up camps there um, and so you all get, what you, could you get do a what you do in Chinatown is put a load of fat out your back door. No rough sleeper wants to sleep in there outside their back alleyways.
0: They 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 tend to actually then have their air conditioning units or their heating units also blasting out <laughs> into the alleyways, which is another thing which 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 does cool. attract people, of course. Um, and what we what we have been seeing is certainly over the last couple of years. I mean, I think there's been a huge change in the last four or five years. Five, even five years ago, you were seeing businesses that just went, um, "I'm not doing that." It's the council's job, and I pay my rates, mate. Um, even if you then got into the conversation about where rates went to central government and how it got paid back, you don't hear that from businesses anymore. You still hear that from individuals. I pay my council tax. Why should I do that? Yeah, we had some
1: comments like
0: that. You don't, you don't get that from businesses anymore. On the whole, certainly not the businesses that we deal with. So I think there's a lot more willingness. You asked about the legal issue. There are some legal situations around it. Yes, you can clean your own forecourt, obviously, yeah. and there is an issue about do I own that bit or some, does somebody else own that bit? When you then go out into the public area, particularly if you're doing something like street washing, there then becomes the issue of okay, well, if you're using a power washer and it lifts up a slab and somebody then falls over that slab, who is then responsible? So there are some issues around that sort of thing. None of this is insurmountable at the end of the day, um,
1: and it isn't, isn't something it not, which is, it, is can actually we not, stopping stuff. Can we not copy a continental model because I lived in Madrid for a while in the 80s, you know, and you saw well, it's still it's not. I've stopped going abroad, by the way. Um, and you still see people. How you dare see... you
0: leave the shores of I know, Manchester? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah I've never gone across the island, I've never been to Salford in my life. Um, how do you, I mean, can we not? What is the issue about hosing down pavements? I mean, they seem to do it very well in the continent, certainly in Latin land and all the Latin countries.
0: I think there is an issue around they don't actually quite have the culture that we've brought in from the states in the last 10-15 years of um, lawyers doing no-win-no-fee cases around accidents. No, and you, Possibly, you've picked yeah. up a lot of that. I mean, that's something that um, uh, Pat Carney has talked about a lot, the number of cases that the council actually do have coming, coming in all the time, um, you know, with some of which are genuine but the vast majority, yeah, yeah. maybe not. Um, and, you know, I know that the council certainly used to have a an attitude where they would just fight everything because they weren't going to get into that culture. Whether they can still afford to do that, I don't, I don't know. But, but there is that issue. However, I think we do want to get to a situation where particularly those businesses who, you know, either they have their cleaning teams already, mm. you know, you can't ask retailers who increasingly are actually on one-person staffing rotors a lot of the time, for that person to be opening up and then going out and cleaning, but if you're a hotel or you're a big property and you've got concierges and you've got cleaning people, or you're a cultural, or oh, you're yeah. a cultural, yeah, or you're a cultural institution yeah. or whoever you are, um, I think there is there are ways, and it's something we're looking at. How do you knit people together along a street and says you you, you, you know you, you you clean that little bit, they'll clean that bit, you they'll clean that bit, and, that and it will all add circle. together, and that becomes a virtuous circle at that yeah. point. Um, and I think that's you know particularly that route from. Piccadilly down to Market Street and then yeah. down to where we are, P- Parsonage. You know, such an important route through. We've actually, and Gateway House, improved no end since they got Waitrose, oh, that's Waitrose in. Yeah. Um, Lovely for, building, Unfortunately, Fortunately, actually. about the transport shop leaving, but, you know, that's, uh, oh, many happy ha- many happy hours in there looking at the well, trains. Well, they, they sold my tables. books, so I love them. Oh, They, they did. <laughs> um, but, you know, we always used to say, well, you turn right out Piccadilly Station, and, and it was, well, that, that's actually quite well handled now. You still got that issue of walking along um, Piccadilly and then towards Market Street. It's the canals, you know. It's it's, it's Sunday
1: morning, the canals, (laughs) walking down Rochdale Canal, which I know it's outside the bid district, for example. But and there's very few front-facing businesses onto a canal because they turn their backs on them. But and that's again driven by economics because you know it's totally it's just basically a volunteer trust now that seems to run the waterways. But I I think to move it on a little bit. To move it on a little bit. that's the basic, keeping the streets clean. It's then what we do, what, do what, what, what we do next. And I do feel that Manchester's bad on wayfinding, but secondly, it's particularly bad on telling its own story, unless you've got me as a tour guide being hired, which I'm very happy about, or you buy my books, which I'm very happy about. But just, just walking around, you know, there's nothing in Albert Square, there's nothing in Exchange Square to say what was there. There's nothing down Market Street, and these are important places. There's your blue plaque put up by other people, but in every other city, or well, most other cities, certainly tourist cities, you do, you would have in St Anne's Square something telling you about St Anne's Square. And we don't have spell any right. of that. Yeah, spell without an E, please, for God's sake. Yeah, we, we don't have any of that.
0: Yeah, uh, and I think uh, there is a project underway with um, TFGM at the moment that is All looking right. at way, wayfinding, generally. Buffy. But that is that is looking <laughs> at, um, you know, how people do get around the city. And I think one of the things that we've had is, you, it's very noticeable, you know, Spiddingfields actually has good signage. Um, and consistent, signage. and consistent signage. Uh, the northern quarter does as well for an entirely yeah, yeah. different project. Fifteen years ago, yeah, yeah. um, talking talking to Haley Flynn, who will be the next uh, uh, podcast after this one, you know about the history of those street mm. names and, and how those street names were involved. And I think there are there have been individual projects, individual Castlefield, you know, as well. Yeah. There are individual projects in individual areas. That's the only one. With the how do you tie these areas together? Mm. um And I think that that was the. Uh, you know, you, you keep plugging your books, so I'll, I'll plug ours as well. Um, you know, that yeah. was the motivation for the, the King Street history that we worked on, yeah. um, was talking to Roger Ward at the Chopper House about mm. this is such an important part of the city. How do we get people to understand it better and get people to to, to be more proud of it as well? And I, and I think there was a missed opportunity there. And I, uh, when we did the... Um, we when the tram redevelopments were done. And I think there was some yes. real missed history around Cross Street Chapel, particularly. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. were huge hoardings around that. There was huge interest in that stuff. Um, and I do think it was a real pity that those hoardings didn't have the history of the chapel. Not quite saying, behind here yeah, are yeah. thousands, hundreds of bodies, yeah, you know. Yeah. However... That was a big opportunity cross street chapel people look at it now well, and I they, think, they think, I think it's a think building from I think you know whenever been
1: it's... A, a, a viewing of that archeologically and, and there wasn't at any point as, yeah, far yes, as well I, I mean that. It's, people don't realize that that's actually what Vic was
0: originally you could go down three levels into the site see the bodies see all sorts of things and probably you know uh, it it was such a good PR marketing move for them years before they had the visitor center where you can smell sheep poo or mm. whatever
1: yeah exactly but but i i think it is so so it's it's keeping the city clean first number one which is the basic i suppose and that does involve now because of austerity private businesses and private enterprise doing that but then it is that next level which is the prettifying it and and it's the cosmetic nature now so it is making sure parsonage gardens saint john's gardens the sackville gardens cathedral gardens are, are are pretty beautiful most of the time you know not beautiful pretty is what what we need nice hanging baskets and then secondly definitely having some history and interp- historical interpretation And I know there is a way, there's a huge idea now that everything should be digital and it should be on your smartphone. I just simply disagree as a foot-on-the-ground tourist guide. Absolutely, utterly disagree. You don't enjoy your city by being sat in Berlin thinking I'm going on a weekend break to Manchester and I'll experience it all through whatever I can get off the internet or off my phone. You, You make an anticipation for your visit there and then when you're here, you want to walk it. And we've got to keep that in our brains. Uh, that's the point where I think we're in absolute agreement. Uh, that as much as I
0: enjoy um, the, the idea that augmented reality will mm. pro- provide us with a, an entirely new view of the city or whatever, and I'm sure it will eventually, um, You know, as soon as people start talking about it, it usually means that a couple of companies will then start trying to sell to people who don't quite understand it huge yeah. packages that never quite work. Um, I mean, I think we may have discussed this before, but... The hosts uh, that we have, the ambassadors around the, around the streets, um, were launched either a month before or a month after um, the first digital totems went up. The Me yes. Guides went up, um, and there were a lot of conversations at that point of, well, why do we need hosts when we've got the Me Guides? Um, and very clear. Quickly, it became clear that one of the hosts' major job was explaining to people how the me guides worked and what they needed to press. And then there were all sorts of issues about how do you keep that up to date, whereas actually keeping an individual up to date is, you know, relatively simple. People do have their ways where they come from, wherever they know the digital sites, TripAdvisor, whatever they're using, they know those sites. But actually, you know, we know with the hosts, 70 to 80% of their interactions are with first-time visitors to Manchester and a very large proportion of those are foreign visitors to Manchester. It's not going to be you or I or our equivalents who broadly will, you know, will busk their way to roughly where they need to be and then find out where they need to be. Um, It is those, and those personal interactions are really, really important. And I think one of the really powerful things that's happened over the last couple of years... Um, is this idea of the cultural concierge program? So that, so that whether you're the concierge or the information desk mm. in Manchester Arndale or in a hotel or in an art gallery or our hosts, you're getting the same information about the city. So you're getting, hopefully, a relatively seamless set of information about what what's going on. And I think I think that role is something that we need to make more of. The one area where I mean you mentioned it earlier, where we're not doing enough, and I know there's quite a lot of work going on on how we do it, is nighttime. You know our hosts knock off at five six ish because they're paid by the retailers and they're paid by the bid. We know from other cities, and it you know it's something we're looking at. The mayor is looking at in terms of the night times. Night times are how you have those volunteers
1: into the evening. Is really important for helping people. It, it, it's, it's really, it's really funny how oh, skilled boy error. It's really funny how uh, I was reading. I was doing. I was doing a suffragette tour uh, on the 13th of October 1905, is when the first suffragette banner uh, went up, raised in the Free Trade Hall. And it's fascinating that then you get the suffragette protests. And you're just reading. It's like tangential reading here. In 1913, Emmeline Pankhurst gets arrested in London. So a lot of Manchester suffragettes go and attack the art gallery and smash some windows smashed some um, picture frames which has nothing to do with this well, but I'll get I'll Why get were they at that. the I'm, art gallery? I'm, 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 I'm getting there I'm getting there because it was just a protest against lots of like semi-naked They've semi-naked, got a lot of n- semi-naked, semi-naked women pictures that they smashed as a protest I, against Which I can rights. understand having but, now, but you know, now well, refused was, to do presentations uh, d- in front of those uh, very pictures yeah, yeah. Do you know why they uh, do you know what time they smashed them? What time did they smash them? It was open till 9 o'clock every night the art gallery 9 o'clock every night because of course they wanted people to go along to the art gallery so therefore, they waited till it was closing at nine o'clock. We now open once on a Thursday till eight o'clock in the Art Gallery, which is better than it used to be, because it wasn't any day. It wasn't day. open on Monday, uh, I think. Yeah, really. and, and any day at all. Uh, and it's better that we, they do open on Sundays now, of course, which they didn't do in the past. But it is funny how sometimes... That availability to general tourism later on at night, it would be a great asset as well. So, it's bring, bring the hosts in and try and get the art. The, the art galleries don't really need to open till eleven or twelve anyway, you know. So, I think the whole society's moved that lurched that sort of distance forward. Similarly, some of the shops now you, know, you always used to open at nine o'clock or eight thirty or something. Now it's not. It's ten o'clock, isn't it? More for most shops. And I, I think that's it. But but it, it goes back to the the final point I made in that article as well, which is. It is. I still think sometimes we do not. You do, obviously. Marketing managed to do. Not always the city council do. We still, maybe because of historical reasons, aren't quite aware of what we've got here as a product. And there's a lack of. Somebody really
0: wants you, Jonathan. It's it's, It's it's, a deadline chaser, I think.
1: uh, <laughs> he's doing an essay about uh, the geopolitics and uh, China and, uh, and, and its African influence. Um, anyway, so but I still think there's a lack of confidence sometimes about things. And just realising what we have here, and therefore we do now need... There, there was the Great to Manchester Tourism Conference where Shona Southern was saying that it's the biggest single economic sector now, tourism. Well, that should sort of ring bells with people and make them want to just do that little next step. I mean, one of the things that really frustrated me recently, again, which is out of your remit really, is is the waxes. You know, they've now got this every half-hour service from Water Taxi, from Media City to the Victorian Albert Hotel. Most under-promoted, gorgeous possible tourist asset asset we've had. You know why it should, everybody should know about this. BBC should be jumping on it and getting into town this way. And, and I, I think we just she's not lost a little bit. So like, get over that line, and then what a city we have.
0: And then, okay, to then play a little bit of devil's advocate because the, the next piece you wrote
1: yeah. uh, was actually then about
0: um is Manchester still effectively for Mancunians yeah, yeah. and yeah. and actually have all the building, have all the flats, and I think that pays into the some of the tourism thing. You know, if we do this. Not necessarily the cleaning up because that's important anyway. Is are we creating a city that is for the international visitor, the Chinese visitor, the, mm. the Arabic visitor? And actually, then, and it's something you talked about in, in this piece as well yeah. about the people how do we keep that sense well, well, that well, we well, are well, well, open to everybody? Yeah, yeah, that, and... that,
1: that's, a, that's an ongoing argument, that is a massively ongoing argument. I'm not finished that article, so that was just a, a precursor article for one that's going to come out in a week or so. Um, there's two, I think, there's two elements to is the city still for Mancunians. Well, uh, Absolutely always it has been like that. And I think people fail to remember how poor it was really as a general tourist facility 20 years ago or 25 years ago, where there was a little bit of the northern quarter. Castlefield was just coming into play, but on the whole, there wasn't the great walk across the city centre you can do. There was no media city, for example, nothing much down at the Keys. In fact, nothing really at the Keys apart from some flats. Adjoining a yet to be developed area. Uh, So, yes, it is still exactly for the Mancunians, but I am not. And I am. What what the point of that was, in a way, is that we're now getting a large city centre residential group, which are getting more and more vociferous, just as they should be, because it is their back door. But I think there's also something going on, which is what I want to pursue a more political point, which is maybe along with the momentum and Jeremy Corbyn to take it that level where we just feel that everything's about big business and it's not for us now that to my mind my thesis will be this is not true what is absolutely true and it goes back to that tour I did in 2007 for Manchester Art Gallery and I think I mentioned it on the previous one where we still how we do this, it's a massive social question, this. How do we make people who live in some of the inner areas, some of the poorer inner areas, think the city is for them? Because they've not just started thinking it's not for them. They've just It's not like they've stopped going to the art gallery because there's a, a, a half a million pound flat penthouse next to it now, or going up near it. No it's it's we still make to need to make that leap where people do not think Manchester City centre a lot of the Mancunians Salfordians just over the river other people from the region that they think it's for them all the time. Not just for Piccadilly Gardens, uh, for the fountains when they work, and not for the Arndale, although they are working all the time, no one has to say. Not for the Arndale, but this city is for them. And that is the leap we have to
0: make. I, I think that was one of the interesting things. I mean, you'll obviously remember the Reclaim Project. It's still yeah, yeah, going yeah, yeah. on in exactly. independent charity. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that we found with all of the groups we worked with, the first couple of groups in Mosside and a couple of groups in, in Gordon, um, that those young people, 13 through 15-year-olds, they did not come into the city centre on the whole. They did not feel that the city centre was mm. for them. And one of the things that we took great pride in, in terms of Urbis, was we actually tried to create somewhere where they took, they did take pride in and they felt it was their place. Mm. Um, and I think talking to um, various of the... Uh, museum and gallery heads. There's still a massive role that culture can can fulfil for that. I, th- I think the museum of science and industry because people tend to go there on school trips and it's, yeah, it's actually quite a fun... Machines, doesn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. A good and place, it's quite yeah. a fun place to go. Yeah. You know, there's some interesting stuff that yeah. that they can do. Manchester Museum similarly because of the dinosaurs yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and all the other stuff that it, that it's got. But it's actually for a lot of teenagers from even very close areas. I mean, Gorton is like what, 10 minutes walking to the city I centre? Say, I'd say Colin you
1: know. Hurst. I'd say Colin Hurst. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: not uh, there. Lower but, but you're right, that... that. How do you get those people feeling? I mean, the conversation obviously we have in, in terms of city code, the thing that gets thrown at us all the time is very much around the
1: privatisation of public space agenda. And you're, oh, you're only there for bitch.
0: the high spender and you're, the, you're only there for that.
1: But actually, the I city... Really, the that really city annoys do- me for on that one. It just absolutely dr- drives me mad. Because basically, and I said this in a recent debate, I don't know, before the International Festival, during it, and people were saying, oh yeah, look at spinning fields, it's all... Pr-. I said, well, d- did you go there beforehand? No said, so, well, there wasn't anything to go to. What are you on about? Uh, did you walk around Jukes 92 in Castlefield before it was renovated? No, well, you wouldn't have done. Uh, because there was nothing there to go. Listen, what has happened with private space is that it's increased the amount of places you can walk through. Very few places such as Sackville Gardens or Parsonage Gardens or whatever that are publicly owned have gone into private ownership. All you've done was increase the number yeah. of places to go around, and I wish people would understand that.
0: And I think that's now happening. I mean, you raised the issue around green spaces, and I think that's now happening with green spaces so yeah. you know you and I are planning that what a third or maybe more of, of Mayfield will actually be Old a part they're going to get that you know that that is going to be huge for us as, so the, you as and the, the city moves north. Not Vaughan Allen and Sorry, yeah, 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 yes That's very confusing. <laughs> Richard has to do something about that. I think, yeah. um, but they're talking about uh, most developers who have got acreage sites are now looking at green space as part of that. That doesn't always work. But one of the issues that we've always had, and again, it goes back, I think, mm. to the, one of the projects we we did probably back in 2010, 2011, was identifying how many pocket parks and how many green spaces we really did have in Manchester and Salford. Um, and obviously you have a, actually a huge park just over the river in, in Salford, yeah, which, no, no, as, which as, as there's a big development around yeah, it, yeah. will be brought more and more yeah, into the city centre. And that is our Hyde Park, I think. And it's, but, I but, think but, that's but, gonna be an interesting one. How do, As more developers, how do we link those then together? And how do we actually get make more of an issue? Because we don't we don't have, hmm. you know, we're, we're better than Sheffield in, oh, I say that as a Sheffield boy in an awful lot of ways, green space is the one thing that we're probably no, not. We're not.
1: No, but I mean that's again. You have to look at historical patterns of we, development. We got an
0: art collection of semi-nude pre-Raphaelites. They got green yeah, spaces yeah. in the city centre. Yeah, So <laughs> which,
1: which one am i No, I'm not going to say that. Um, yeah, I love green spaces. But but the and I, I think part of the thesis here, and we have to get over this, is part of the idea is that we are going through political cycles. Uh, yeah, I'm going through political cycles, and there is it's a moment now where there's a huge polarization in british politics between what is deemed as the right and the left and this you could go all the way back to margaret thatcher you know before margaret thatcher <laughs> manchester city council would have tory cons- uh, councillors would have conservative councillors occasionally conservative majorities after that it becomes very much a labor city and the north tends to split into a, a labor constituency uh, and a tory one with no ukip oh god but the but 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 So I just think there's anger sometimes at the moment, rage, that is going nowhere. We have to be not too precious about this. Lots of people will never use the art galleries. Lots of people will never use these things. What we have to try and make sure is that if they choose to do so, then therefore they do feel welcoming and warm. And I think that's a different one from just saying the whole city's gone commercial and it's gone... It's only for yuppies. I love how people still use that phrase. Surely it's 20 years out of date. Uh, and that's why they, i got shouted at that in the streets, just for yuppies.
0: I've, yeah, i walked past a piece of... You know, I've lived in the Northern Quarter for 11, 12 years or so, whatever. And I, and I walked past, there was a piece of class war graffiti about two months ago that, that says... Um, Stop the gentrification of. The, stop the suits coming to to the Northern Quarter. And I'm walking past in my in my suit, thinking, <laughs> I I should think the person who stuck that up was probably in short trousers or whatever the school yeah, equivalent yeah. was when I yeah. first moved here.
1: Macky <laughs> man, that's, uh, that's that's uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, listen, yeah, yeah. that which was a marvellous development for the Northern Quarter. I I I still think the city's going in the right direction I still think the city's got and funnily enough I'm going to go down to Birmingham at the end of this month to do a real comparison piece between what's happening in Birmingham and what's happening in Manchester because I'm fascinated by Birmingham in a way because it's token second city status it's much closer to London, see what's happening down there Uh, and I think that's going to be an interesting parallel but I still think we're moving in the right direction. That article was about attention to detail. Look at the little things now. Forget about a big new museum, although I would love a museum in Manchester. One has to say I would love a museum for Manchester. But otherwise, we're going in the right direction. Engage more people.
0: I've, I feel tempted to leave you there, but I've got one, one thing to go back okay. on. Because we actually you talked about more residents coming into the city centre, mm. and they, therefore you're going to get more vocal voices, as it were, which I think is true. And I think that's one of the issues where we, we compare now to, again, 10, 15 years ago, is though there were residents in the city. There are so many more now. So um, when you have that conversation of there's a, there's a new development, why aren't the cons- community being consulted? Well, 15 years ago, there wasn't really a community cons- to consult, so, it, so it's pretty hard. But the issue still in the city centre is, and this is interesting when you talk to GMP, is you know, in any other area of Greater Manchester they will have high levels of community engagement because they'll have neighborhood yeah. watch or whatever. Getting into flats where you have Airbnb, service departments, you have transient people who are just in for six months or whatever it is, actually having long-term relationships with those people in the way that you would in a Withenshaw or mm. a Collier or wherever um, is very, very difficult, which means, of course, you get a small number of people, some of whom are great, Northern Quarter Greening Groups and, and those, those guys. Um, Castlefield Forum. And, and Castlefield yeah. Forum, which obviously uh, you've yeah. been heavily involved with for many years, and some of which who have particular axes to grind as well. Um, no,
1: I mean, I think we both know who we're talking about right now. But yeah, I mean, that axe to grind is largely pathetic and made out of plastic and crumples uh, when it hits anything. Uh, and, and I think there are those who will just be anti- Uh, And and it does become like the cold face of capitalism everywhere. And it's just missing the point. And actually with simply no historical context and how the city has developed and everything else like this. I love, by the way, the city resident engagement. I think it's fantastic. It's one of the best things that's happened in central Manchester is that people just cannot get away with stuff all the time. They usually do. Unless it's Gary Neville, who isn't actually a professional property developer, but was the only one to respond to heavy criticism and really radically change his plan. And bless him, and what a great, what a much better solution he's come up with now. But I do think there's new developers like you and I I coming in, which is Richard Upton's place there. The way they talk to people, the way they are looking at developing that Mayfield site, I think it's an absolute breath of fresh air. And, and there are others as well. So capital-eccentric, like what they do often. You know? and, I, and I think Grant,
0: Gary Neville probably learned from you and I to save the pub, as we always say, is the most important <laughs> yes. thing that you yeah, can yeah, do yeah. in any situation. <laughs> <Yeah. It's> like, <laughs> cool, <laughs> well thank, thank you very much, Jonathan. Um, next time, as I said, we'll be talking to Haley Flynn of Skyliner Blog about the evolution of the Northern Quarter. If you have any comments, and you may have some comments after that one, or ideas for things to cover in the future, you can talk to us on Twitter at CottonmouthMCR or through email on podcasts at cityco.com. If you like what you heard, please leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud and pass it on until next time.